Amen. Amen. Well, how many are ready for the Word of God this morning? Oh, come on. How many are ready for the Word of God this morning? One of my favorite things in a service for us, just unique, not unique to us, but I will point this out, that what I love during worship is Grant Ross is like an an encyclopedia of Old Testament. Have you noticed that? It's like, he'll just be talking. If you ever, if you ever have coffee with him, you'll just be talking and go, you know, this happened to Moses and Melchizedek and, and he'll start going back into all this stuff. And you're going, how do you do that? How do you do that? But I am so grateful for this place. And I'm grateful for such an amazing body, body of believers. And you guys are so special. I, I, I know we've, we've talked and, and I want to jump right into the word today because I want to be good with time, but I really have something I want to share with you because I know this can change your life. How many know that when you hear the word of God, it'll change your life? Okay. Now I'm going to add to that. When you hear the word of God, if it changes your life, imagine what happens if you hear the word of God and you apply the word of God. See, that's how it really works. So today my prayer for you is that what you hear, you don't start thinking of somebody else who's got issues, right? Remember, you're the one with issues today, okay? All right? How many know you got issues? We all got them. But today we're going to receive this word into our own hearts. So if you would, stand to your feet as we read the word of God together. And we're going to go back into a couple different passages, but we're going to really look in the book of Genesis is where we're going to start. Genesis chapter 26. Genesis chapter 26. And I just want to read uh, the first six verses. There was a famine in the land besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines in Gerar. Then the Lord appeared to him and said, do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land which I shall tell you. Now let me, let me just stop and pause there for a moment. The, there was a famine in the land and when there's a famine, what would happen was you're looking for the best place where you can go to take your family to be cared for. Egypt was a place that was huge, successful, all these things, and we're being able to take care of people during this time. They were prepared for that. So I just want to set that so you'll understand the complexity of the choice that Isaac was making. He said, so in verse two again, then the Lord appeared to him and said, do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land of which I shall tell you. Dwell in this land and I will be with you and bless you. For to you and your descendants, I give all these lands and I will perform the oath which I swore to Abraham, your father. Now, if you're, if you're a student then, and you have a written Bible, written word of God, I know it's, that's old school and all that stuff. I'm still the writer. My Bible's got notes and marks all through it all the time. But you want to underline that. I will perform the oath which I swore to Abraham, your father. And I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of heaven. I will give to your descendants all these lands and in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes and my laws. Verse six. So Isaac dwelt in Gerar. Let's pray. 
Father, for the next few moments, I pray that you would anoint each heart that's hearing this message. And Father, I pray that as we do, we don't just simply hear, but we hear and then we apply. We aren't only hearers of the word, but doers of the word. And Father, I pray this today, that this word would go out into the fertile soil of the hearts of your people. And that, Father, it would grow into a great harvest of good in our lives. And Lord, I pray this as well. When we leave our time together today, that God will be better than when we came in. I pray for those that are far from God. That, Lord, something in today that your spirit, O Father, would draw them to you. Not through the words of men, but through your word. And I pray this, Father, for those that are broken, hurting, that even through these moments, you're doing a work. We will leave here better than when we came in. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You can be seated this morning. Well, I love, I love the stories in the Old Testament and how they actually apply to all of our lives. And today I want to take one of these stories and help you pull some principles out of it to help you understand how you should be living, of how, what you should be expecting in life. So what I would like to talk about today is this, is thriving in a world of chaos. How many know the world is completely chaotic? Can I get an agreement out of that? I mean, that's one thing, <laughs> if there's one thing we can agree on, it is chaos out there. You know, when, when they call good evil and evil good, and we can't make heads or tails of anything, we see one thing that we think, my God, I cannot believe it could ever get season. So what I would want to help you understand is as children of God, as the blood bought, as heirs to the promise, that's what we're going to kind of step into today. You need to understand that because of who you are, you don't just need to be surviving the chaos. You need to be thriving in the chaos. As a matter of fact, I would say this, that the darker that the world gets, the brighter your light should be shining. And it's amazing. People say, oh, pastor, you know, I'm not, I'm not really that person and I'm not very vocal. I'm not all that. Listen to me. Because by that, you're saying that somebody else's light shines brighter than yours. Can I tell you, when it gets dark, the smallest light makes a huge difference. So you need to understand who you are and why it matters. How can you thrive inside this environment? And truthfully, I'll say this. The key question here is of self-awareness. Self-awareness. You know, have you ever met a person who is completely unaware of how they're acting or what kind of attitude they're walking with? They walk into a room and maybe they're, they're uh, you walk into a room and you misread them completely, right? Because they, they're, what a jerk, right? If they walk in and say, well, I don't know who he thinks he is, you know, and all those things. And it's like you're reading into this. Why would that happen? Because someone is unaware of themselves, unaware of the look on their face. My mama was the queen of this. 
I'm telling you, she, it didn't matter. She couldn't hide it. Tawana says I'm the same way, but she could not hide how she felt about anything. As a matter of fact, if she was angry, it didn't matter where she was at. She had this look of anger that was reserved solely, I believe, for me. You know, and, and there was just this look when she was joyful. She had this look and it didn't matter where she was at. As a matter of fact, what I learned was unless she was really concentrating on it, she would completely be unaware that other people could see her disgust and anger at her middle child. <laughs> her middle child, that's Elisa, not me. But anyway, so, and it, no, she never looked at us with disgust. Anger, yes, but not disgust. But when we look at these, I think a lot of times we see people and they're unaware of who they are in the moment. So I really think it becomes a question of self-awareness. And the question would be this, who are you? Who are you? Because what I see in people, especially in this time, is that when chaos is running rampant, they either do one of two things. They either dig deeper into God or they pull back out of fear and they want to protect themselves. They hide away. And what I want to tell you is that in chaos, you can thrive. When the world's falling apart, you can successfully maneuver through all the things in life and see success where other people don't understand where it came from. Now, what you know, this is not a prosperity gospel message. I'm not the prosperity gospel guy. But what I will tell you, there are principles in the word of God that says, if you live the way I've called you to live, I will open doors that only I can open. And when we realize that, we realize that success is not based on necessarily how much money you've got or how successful your business is or whether you hit the Fortune 500 or the Fortune 100. It doesn't matter where you lie in that because God's view of success is not about financial gain necessarily. It's about you completing the work and having the resources you need to do what he's called you to do. So I'm not going to delve into that for sake of time, but what I want you to understand when we read the scripture, there's some keys here that can help you because what we understand, we're the seed of Abraham. When we read that passage in Genesis and he's talking about all these things and I will, I will be with you and bless you for to you and your descendants. I'll give these lands. I'll perform the oath, which I swore to Abraham, your father. Okay. Galatians. So let me take you to the new Testament really quickly so that you'll be able to tie this together in Galatians chapter three, verse 29 says, and if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed, okay? And heirs according to the promise. What promise? We're reading it about it in Genesis. The promise is this. The promise that he gave Abraham is accessible to us. Why? Because we are the seed of Abraham. Now, what I want to do, and I know that's a deeper walk and a deeper dive, and we can do that sometime, but what I really want to ask and help you understand is what would your life look like if you lived beyond your current circumstances? What would your life look like if the temptations that you face and have failed and fallen to are no longer strong enough to cause you to stumble? What if you walk into situations 
and you have a clear discernment from the Holy Spirit and you understand, you know the Lord's voice and when he guides you in not only your business dealings but in conflict situations, in all those things that you can confidently walk in knowing you're hearing the voice of God. I mean, how many understand that would look a lot different, wouldn't it? So when we look at this, I think it's important for us to understand that to experience that, to experience a level of living that we've only dreamed of, to experience those things, or let's say it like this, to move from barely enough to more than enough. And to boldly say that. You know, I, I meet people all the time that's like, well, you know what, we don't, do, we don't talk about the money thing because, you know, it's like those rich people, they don't love Jesus. Really? Can I tell you my experience? That rich people, poor people, all, it, we all love Jesus the same. And what I need you to understand this morning, this isn't about you getting rich. This is about you being rich, yes it is, but rich in the things of God. Because he satisfies your needs far greater than anything this world has to offer. So I think it's important for us to understand we are heirs to the promise. And the truth is, is that as children of God, we have to understand that God is a God of seasons. He's a God of seasons. And when we say this, we understand that God is in control of everything. Did you know that God is also in control of your seasons? I want you to think about that for a moment. Because some of you are going through seasons and you're just trying to patiently make it through it, just to survive it, just to get to the other side. But what about this? If God is the God of your seasons, then could not he accelerate you through a season of life? Could he not see that because of you implementing his word and understanding his promises and being faithful to that and obeying him, that he would See, here's what I think is important in this, because in Genesis, back here, I just want to take you back here, and they're not going to have this on the board, but I think it's important when we're reading in verse 20, in chapter 26, and he's saying he obeyed God, right? He says he stayed in Gerar. He stayed there unsure of what tomorrow was going to look like, but he had to have faith to say, I choose to trust the Lord. But you know what's cool about this? is Abraham did the same thing. See, he had a roadmap to understand that God is who he says he is and God will be faithful even when we don't understand how this is gonna work. Because we live in a time that's very confusing. We live in a time where there are now so many doctrines and so many different things and things that are floating around and it's so hard to wrap your head around sometimes because it works off, off, off of our emotions and all these things. And let me just give you a caveat to that talk. Don't be led by your emotions. Be led by the word of God because your emotions will lie to you. Anybody ever been lied to by your emotions? Uh, yeah, several of us, a couple of us. But the truth is, God's word will always be consistent. But when we look at this, I think it's important to understand that God not only created the seasons you're in, but also controls the timing of those seasons in your life to accomplish his will. So you say, how do I allow God to accelerate that? Give yourself to his will instead of your will. The quickest road to you getting through a season or moving through stuff is to surrender yourself to his will, just like Isaac did. You've got to come to the place where you say, you know what? I am going to choose his way above my way. 
See, we all have a story. Every one of us has a story. And some parts of our story you'd like to put in the back of the book and, you know, it's like bury it in appendixes and, and definitions and put it at the end so maybe nobody will ever see it. Anybody got a couple chapters like that? But the truth is, for me, I can speak for me. And the reality was, is I, in my story, would have said this, that I know what I want to do. I know what I'm gifted at. I want to chase that. And we, I chased it with everything inside of me and had a lot of fun, so to speak, in doing that. But it was never what I wanted it to be. There was something missing. You see, the, the beauty that I had was I grew up in the house of God. I grew up and was given a foundation. And that's what great parents do. They give you a foundation. And I can tell you this right now in this world, we wonder what what is our chief role? To give you a foundation. What is my job? To give you a foundation to live the life God called you to live. To confront evil the way the Lord would have us do it. To be able to stand up and say, I need to live a holy life before God in this day and age for sure. To give you the foundational things that you need. And that's what great parents did. My parents gave me that foundation. And I recognized there was an emptiness there. And I remember, I'll just tell you just a quick side, and Tawana will remember this, uh, is I remember they'd come to me. We had worked through several, a couple record deals and all this stuff is going through all this. If you didn't know, I was a musician. I'm a recovering musician. Anyway... But I remember we'd worked through some record deals and then I'll never forget when another prominent record label came up and said, we don't want the band, we just want you. And I remember thinking, oh, this just got serious real fast. And I remember talking to Tawana and everything and it terrified me to be standing on my own. And I remember we never did that. It never, it never took place because it never felt right. And here's why I say this is because in my flesh and in my personal desire that met the criteria of the life that I wanted. But the problem was there was something deeper inside of me that I realized that does not meet the criteria that God created me to be, to live. So you say, why is that important? Because the truth is, is that when I surrendered my will for his will, just like Isaac did, is this, when I surrendered my will for his will, then all kinds of things started happening. God started shifting things and and I started stepping into the things of God. And I will be honest, Tawana and I have lived an incredibly blessed life. I'm gonna tell you this, all of my kids love Jesus or they're either faking it real good, one of the two, I don't know. They love Jesus. They all come to church. Here, how blessed is that? My grandbabies love Jesus. My soon-to-be-here grandbaby. I can say that now without getting in trouble. She already loves Jesus. But you know, the point I'm making is 
I am so blessed because I was taught to surrender my will for his will. And I love this passage in here, in, in this, I'm getting off subject, so I, and I, I don't want to do that for sake of time. But I love in verse 12 of chapter 26, where it says, Then Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. The point I want you to get just simply out of that, and I'm going to give you a few key thoughts to walk you through your week. The thing I want you to see is that when we are obedient to God, and we listen to his voice and submit ourselves. And let me tell you, that's a much harder prospect to talk about than it is when we just say it. It can come out of your mouth real easy, but the application of that is much more difficult. Because some of this stuff, if you're older, some of this stuff is ingrained in us. And we have to break that in order for us to submit. Because we're stubborn. I mean, I'm going to tell you something. How many of y'all know somebody that's stubborn? Please do not look beside you, husbands, okay? Oh, wives are already pointing at their, okay, all right, okay, all right. There's marriage counseling. I can, there's this list outside. Go, where he didn't have all the answers. And it says in a short time, it doesn't say in a short time, but we can assume that in this time, because this is kind of the beginning of that story. And when we see this, God multiplied him a hundredfold. What would happen in your life if God multiplied the resources and the giftings, the anointing, the things in your life that you need to be who God called you to be? What would happen in your life if that happened? Well, God is no respecter of persons. You know what the difference is? Isaac knew who he was. He knew who he was. He was the seed of his father. And the Lord just revealed to him and made sure he understood that if you do this, the same promise that I gave your father, I give to you. And then we come into this place in Galatians where they remind us in Galatians that you as a believer in Jesus are now the same. You've been grafted into the family of God. And we see this and what that means is now we're heirs to the promise. So how do we do this? I love it because basically God saw each of us wrapped up in that seed. Each of us, a part of who God called us to be. So let me just give you really quickly some steps to thriving in chaos. Thriving in a chaotic world. So the first one would be this, to thrive in chaos you must open your eyes and be aware of what's really happening around you. I want to say that again, because I'm going to tell you something. We live in a world of people that are believers and love Jesus, but they are closing their eyes to the reality of what's going on around them. So you must open your eyes and be aware of what is really happening around you, both physically and spiritually. It's like I hear people all the time. Yes, I know there's spiritual battle for my soul. I know there's warfare for me. Then why don't you acknowledge it and walk like it? Yeah. Right? Yeah. What about physically? Yeah, there's crazy stuff physically happening around us every day. 
the world's changing, the climate's changing, the, the political climate is shifting, all these things that we see around us. And you go, well, what am I supposed to do with that? Keep your eyes open and look for the signs that God says to remind you that I'm coming back soon and you need to be aware of what's happening. One of the traps that I want to warn you of before I give you another key thought is simply this. You can't be afraid to face the facts. I see a lot of people, and let me just speak to this really quickly and I'll do it briefly. I am tired of believers living lives like they are victims. And you say, well, why are you saying that? Because I'm, I'm tired of people allowing the enemy to bully them and convince them that they're a victim in every single engagement that they have in life. Let me tell you something. In Christ, you're an overcomer. In Christ, you are more than able. Why? Because the spirit of God that lives inside of you is, can do the impossible, right? It's the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. It lives inside of you. You are not a victim. So stop acting like a victim and stop walking like a victim and stop polluting your children and making them victims and start being who God created you to be. I can't stay there and I could preach on that one because I was, I was one of the most insecure kids you'd ever meet. You know why? Because I was a preacher's kid and I lived in an aquarium. You say, you lived in an aquarium? That's an odd place for a pastor's kid. I lived in a life aquarium where everybody was watching what I did. It didn't, my dad didn't even need the Holy Spirit to speak to him like Grant Ross's parents did. No, I had a whole church that would call my dad no matter where they saw me. And then dad would say, the Holy Spirit told me. I went, mm-hmm. <laughs> so we have to understand we've got to face these things. And let me say this before I give you another key thought is you can't escape the famine till you recognize you're in a famine. You can't escape a season or get to the end of a season if you keep denying you're in the season. Life is difficult and there are difficult places. They're pointed and people don't respond or do the things that we would like for them to do, right? That's, I mean, and the same goes for us. We do the same thing to other people. But the reality is this, is we've got to say, you know what? If I'm in a spiritual battle, And I understand. Can I tell you what happens when you're fighting? Okay, spiritually. It's true physically as well. But when you're fighting spiritually, there's a tension that's in the air. And if we're unaware that there's a tension in the air, what we do is take that tension and we point it toward the people that we love. See, I'll say this. I owe my wife an apology. Because I allowed some of the spiritual battles that I'm fighting for some of you to step into my life, into the place where the tension was so high that I took some of that out on her. See, what I want to tell you is it doesn't matter how long you've loved the Lord or how long you've served. There's places where we realize, you know what? I didn't need to bring that tension into my house. But I I let it unwill. I was un. Oh, unwarily, I I was not consciously bringing it in, but I allowed it because I didn't recognize it in my own spirit. But once I recognize 
I break it. And I say, oh no. I, see, because awareness is the key. Remember? Self-awareness is the key. Who are you? So here's what I know. Who am I? I'm that woman's husband. And I'll fight for her. I'll do whatever I need to do for her. Why? Because God gave her to me. And God gave me to her. Right? And that's how we all are. And that's what it will remind you of. And not only that, is God brought us together into each other's lives because we complement each other in our fighting styles. <laughs> See, y'all just went to the whole physical thing. She's a warrior, literally. I'm a peacemaker. We need each other. See, that's what I want you to understand is sometimes if we're unaware what's happening spiritually, we won't understand what's happening physically either. They're all connected. So be aware as you're walking into these places and realize you've got to realize where you are to be able to deal with where you are so that you can hear the word of God, so that you can walk in it. And I will also say this, and just this, and we'll give you the next one, is this. Famine, that they're talking, famine can be a place of opportunity. And here's what I mean by that. We all know that if you've been in business, if you've been in all that, you understand that downtime doesn't mean downtime for people who are able to see the season because you can invest in things, right? That's the money part. Okay, here's what I want you to see. In a famine in the land, you have to understand it's not always a bad thing. Why? Because when the world is losing hope, the body of Christ are hope bearers. Can I tell you something? I hope that every time I walk into a business, every time I walk into a place, and I learned this from my father. Now, I'm not jumping up on tables like my daddy did and all that stuff. That's another story. But I hope that when I walk into places that they, realize, that they see the joy of the Lord. That's why I pray for you every week that when you're confronting situations that you will walk with the joy of the Lord on your lips. Because I hope when they walk in, they'll realize there's something different about it. He's walking in in the midst of circumstances. Everybody else is sad and worried. Did you see the news? Did you see what happened on that? I said, I sure did. Praise God. You know, and they're like, you're so weird. I know. Thank you, Jesus. You know, why? Because I recognize that I'm not going to let the things of the world convince me that there are no opportunities. The opportunity to be the church and, and show people Jesus right now is greater than any time in any of our lives. So don't hide, embrace, and be who God's called you to be. Okay, let me, let me hurry. Oh yeah, I'll get to really go. Okay. Oh wow, sorry. They're even flashing stuff at me. Okay, all right. So let me give you another key thought as I ignore them. Okay, <laughs> to thrive in chaos... You must hear the word of God with the intention to apply the word that you've received. Don't come to church and hear the word and don't live it out. If you want to be successful, if you want to walk in that blessing that God's called you to be, then, then don't only just receive it, apply it with intention. Can I tell you, when I prepare a message, I have to go through the message part because it's usually to me first. And I have to go through the whole process that some of you are going through right now. But I want you to understand that you have to do it with intention, knowing that God is expecting you to hear and do. Right? Let me just give you another one. Key thought. 
To thrive in chaos, I love this one. You must speak the promise instead of agreeing with the curse. In life, it's like we just agree. The devil, the devil says you're a loser. I know I'm, a, I'm such a loser. Don't you get tired of that? Can I just ask you people that you've, you've bought into the idea that you're a loser and nobody loves you? That's got to be miserable. I determined a long time ago that everybody else in this world can hate me as long as Tawana loves me and the Lord loves me. I'm good. But we have to understand We've got to speak the promise instead of agreeing with the curse. Isaac made a choice. He said, no, I'm taking the promise of my father. It's a good thing. And I'm going to follow that. How beautiful is that? So learn to align your mouth with his word. I'm going to give you another. This is the fastest I've given key thoughts, I think, in history. Okay. The last one is this. To thrive in chaos, I love this. You must realize that you are not perfect. Anybody agree with that right now? I mean, it's, uh, yeah, y'all better get out. Y'all better stop going to sleep. All right, that you are not perfect. So learn to avoid self-condemnation when you make a mistake. You know what's crazy about this? Isaac made a mistake. He obeyed God and he went where God told him to go. And then he, because his wife was so beautiful, see, we we have that in common. Because his wife was so beautiful. I know I'm digging out of a hole, but y'all work with me. Because my daddy always said, Clay, don't dig holes out of your marriage while you're on the platform. All right. So anyway, we're fine. I'm just playing with you. But anyway, so Isaac goes to where God's called him to be. And then in all of that, he lied. But he made a mistake. But yet when you read through the scripture, what do you find in verse, this all happened before, verse 26, I believe it was, where God says he blessed him a hundredfold in the land that he went to. So what I'm trying to tell you is that we serve a God of grace that understands you're not perfect, but he has an expectation of you to strive to be who he's called you to be, to be that of thought is never going to infill you. You've got to stop and say, I am the seed of Abraham. I am an heir of the promise. I am a child of the living God. I'm adopted and that's as good as being birthed. So when we come to that place, we realize, I love that. Don't condemn yourself when you make a mistake. I love what Proverbs chapter 24 says real quick. For though a righteous man falls seven times, he rises again. Some of you need to get back up. Some of you have a call on your life. And because you made a mistake somewhere down the journey, you just stopped because you said, I'm worthless. I'm not good enough for this. And I realize that now. No, no, that's the lie of the enemy. What if Isaac had stopped? Do you know that the history of the world would have been shifted? If Isaac had not chosen to obey God, do you know that our story would look a lot different right now? So what about you? What area of your life do you need to obey God? 
Well, you need to listen to his voice instead of the voice of the world. And stop letting the world define who you are and let God define who you are. Because you're needed. I want to say this as strongly as I know how. The body of Christ needs you. We need you to be awake physically and spiritually because you have giftings that God created just for you, for the mission that he called you to. And the fact that your mission is different than mine or whatever that looks like in your life, that We need each other. And I just want you to know that no matter what mistakes you've made, no matter how far you've drifted, it reminds me of that simple story of the man whose father left him, or the the man whose son left him, went out to do his own thing, And I love that story. One day in a distance when the son had come to himself, he decided to go home. He knew that when he went home, he'd be facing shame. Because, let's admit it, when we read the story, he's an idiot. Right? How many of us have been idiots? And he started walking down that path. In my mind, I see this son walking this path He's hungry. He's destitute. He's been wallowing with the pigs. He's dirty. And in his mind, he's saying, you know what? Maybe they'll just let me be a servant. I can see him walking down the road and he sees his father and his anxiety starts to crank up. What if he rejects me? I've made a lot of mistakes. But that's not what he saw. think he saw his father with his arms wide open saying come on come on boy you come home and that's what I'm speaking to you you've given up because you've been beat up some of it by your own choices but God is your father and he says all I need you to do is come home and I promise you He will wrap his arms around you. And he will not call you servant. He will call you son or daughter. He will call you my family. So today, is that you? Have you kind of given up? Have you kind of allowed the world to steal that from you? Let's take it back. Let's walk boldly in who God's called us to be. So with every head bowed and every eye closed all across the room, you're here today and you'd say, Pastor, that's me. That's me. I've stepped away from this because whatever reason, and I've kind of walked away from my call to some extent. I'm not walking in that. I just want you to lift your hands up where you are and say, Pastor, I need you to remember me. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, 
Thank you. Yeah. Keep, keep them up. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Anybody else? I don't want to miss a single hand. Amen. You can place them back down. Now what I'd like to do is I'd like everyone just to stand to your feet as our altar workers and pastors that are available make their way to the front to receive people. And while they're doing that, I'm going to ask you a very quick question. It's not complicated because in your heart, you know the answer to this. Are you right with God? Are you walking with God? That's a yes or a no. And then I'd ask you one more question. Do you want to walk with Jesus? If so, this is a big day. So one more time across this house, if you just simply bow your head and close your eyes right where you are. You say, Pastor, today I know that there's sin in my life and I want Jesus. I want a fresh start. I want a new day. I choose Jesus. Now, I'm not going to embarrass you today. This is your moment. Anybody else, thank you. I don't want to miss a single person. It's so important. Thank you. Yeah. Let me just wait. One more scan. Amen. You don't place your hands back down. And we're going to pray a prayer, a very simple prayer. And all I would ask that if you're saying this prayer, tell somebody about the decision that you're making today because you weren't meant to walk alone. We want to help, but you have to kind of let us help. So tell somebody about the decision that you make today. So let's pray this prayer together and we're going to do it as a family all across this house. So it's a simple prayer. You can just pray it after me. Dear Jesus, I'm sorry. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart and make me new. I receive you, Jesus, as my Savior right now. I repent of my sin and I turn away from my past. Today I am forgiven and I'm a new creation. I receive the new, Lord. The old is gone. Today I belong to you. It's in your name I pray. Amen and amen. Can you give the Lord some praise across the house?